the name above all names. He's the name above all names. So worthy of our praise. My heart will sing how great is our Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Eternal Father, we're thankful, Lord, to bow our heads to the dust from whence we were taken. And Lord, as we look up to you to ask you to mold us, Lord, into Lord images, Lord, that would be suitable for sons and daughters of God. We ask, Lord, your mighty hand would come upon this service. And Father, how great you are. Our singing is not enough. Our preaching is not enough. But Lord, we do want to do everything in our power to express how great you are. Father, we ask, Lord, that you forgive us, Lord, of all of our weakness, Lord, all of our humanity. We come under the blood tonight, Lord, in unity of the faith. We come under the blood, Lord, the provided way that you have given for us that we can have fellowship with you. Lord, you've given us access, full access, Lord, that we could come into your presence, dear Lord, and we're grateful for that. We ask, Lord, that this service, Lord, would not be hindered by any unbelief. I pray that the power of God would flow freely, Lord, that you'll have dominion over your people. We yield ourselves to you as Lord. You are owner. You are ruler. Prevail over your people, Lord. Rule over your people. You are the King of saints. And we welcome you here, Father. We love you. We honor you. We ask, Father, for your presence, for your blessings. In Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Do you love the Lord tonight? It's good to be with you. We're happy to be Christians serving the Lord. Let's turn in our Bibles, if we can, to 2 Kings chapter uh, 2. I was in the office. I come to the office this morning, and I had actually had something on my heart to preach, and the Lord changed it completely. So we feel like we're just uh, walking out by faith, asking God to, to uh, do what He wants to do. So I ask that your hearts would be open to receive from Him and that you'll get right behind the service and just pray with me as we uh, approach the Word of God tonight. Do you love the Lord? Amen. Let's read in Second Kings chapter 2 and let's uh, start with verse 1. And I've got a little lengthy reading. But I want to read down through verse 15. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets were at Bethel and came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray, he, pray thee. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, 
And as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elisha said unto Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and he wrapped it together and he smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee. Before I be taken from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes, and he rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah does rest on Elijah. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. I want to preach tonight on Elijah, Elisha, and the God-called church. May God bless the reading of his word. You can have your seats. Our story opens up. Thank you, my brother. Our story opens up with Elijah, an old man, and Elisha, a young man. And they're walking together, and Elisha is coming Elijah is coming to the end of his road. And this represents Christ and his church. And Brother Branham said that they had come down to the Jordan River. And this is where I envy Brother Tim and Brother Timothy for being able to go to Israel and see the picture for themselves. But they came down to Jordan. Brother Branham said out of the Judean hills. He said the river was rippling over the stones and there was an old man, and there was a young man, and they were just about ready to cross the Jordan River, and the young man was watching very closely at the old man, and Brother Branham said that Elijah, his ministry had fought a good fight, and he had finished his course. He said Elijah had went through a lot of tough battles with Jezebel and Ahab, and just the unbelief of the age, he was growing tired. And he was now coming down to the Jordan. And just beyond the Jordan, that's where his retirement laid. He was ready. He fought the good fight. He'd done his party, finished his course. And he was ready 
just to retire and have his ministry be over. You ever felt that way? And here one man's ministry was ending and another man's ministry was beginning. And the young prophet was watching the old prophet every move that he made because God had chose Elisha to take Elijah's place. Do you love the Lord? And this, now Elisha was the continuation of the ministry of Elijah. And Brother Branham said, this is the way that God always does. When God finishes with one, he said he always raises up another to take his place. He said, God takes the man, but never his spirit. He said, his spirit lives on. And he said, so when God is done with one man, he raises up another man. He always has someone on the earth that he can put his hand on. He said he changes the messengers, but his spirit remains the same. This is what happened with Elijah and Elisha. God was removing Elijah, but his spirit remained upon Elisha. Isn't that right? And so he was carrying the same message, the same spirit, the same ministry. It was a different person, but it was the same message of God. It was a type of Christ and his church. When Christ went off the scene, he said, the works that I do, you will do also, and greater works will you do, because I go unto the Father. That's what happened with John the Baptist and with Jesus. If you give me just a little more, just a little if you can on the monitor. That's what happened with John the Baptist and Jesus. He said, he must increase and my ministry must decrease. He was now changing ministries. Do you love the Lord? And Elisha had followed Elijah through a process of three different places. As he was following Elijah, he first went to Gilgal. And uh, that Gilgal represented justification as the Spirit of God had led the church down through the ages. And then he went to Bethel, which represented sanctification. And then on down to Jordan, which represented the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Brother Branham said that Elijah, Elisha, kept his eyes on Elijah. He never took his eyes off of him. And when Elijah wanted to go to Gilgal, he said, you stay here. He said, I ain't staying anywhere. I'm staying right with you. And he said, that's the way God will do. He'll try to maybe discourage you or see if you're going to be willing to back off. But Elijah was not willing to back off whatsoever. So he said he came on down. He said he kept his eyes on Christ. Every move that Christ made, he said he kept his eyes right on him. Do you love the Lord? How many we have seen come and go? How many people we have seen just on the trash heaps because some a church discouraged them or a pastor discouraged them or some sort of trial discouraged them. Get your eyes off the trials, off the people, off the church. Get your eyes on the word of God. And Elisha was that kind of man. I'm keeping my eyes on, on Elisha. So Brother Branham said that that's what you got to do. If the Spirit of God leaves Luther, he said, then we got to be willing to leave Luther. He said, if the Spirit of God leaves Wesley, we got to be willing to leave Wesley, to go on in God. 
And then Brother Branham, he said, if he goes out of the Branham Tabernacle, you go with him. I will not leave you. I will not leave the Spirit of Christ. My eyes are on the move of God. That's what Brother Branham was saying. And he said, so he left Gilgal, and he went to the second stage, which was the school of the prophets. You know, and there's all kinds of prophets in the land. There's all kinds of voices in the land. There's all kinds of movements in the land. But there is only one voice of Elijah. He wasn't going to take his eyes off of Elijah for the school of the prophets. There's all kinds of them. All kinds of eighth messengers and new leaders that will raise up. But he kept his eyes on the message. Do you love the Lord? He said, Brother Branham said, this school of the prophets was an educated group of people. He said, they were a smart kind of people. He said, but you know, I never thought too much of them. He said, because you remember that group, he said, went out to get some peas and accidentally got poison gourds. He said, any prophet that can't discern between peas and poison gourds, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in them. They were claimed, self-proclaimed prophets, but God sends one prophet to the age. Do you love the Lord? And so Elijah just kept watching Elijah, the messenger God had sent to that age. And Brother Branham, before he died, he preached a message called leadership. And he said, every one of us are being led by something. Every one of us have a choice in our lives to take our choice and our eternal destination depends upon the choice that we make. And he talked about the rich young ruler who had been confronted with Jesus himself. He could have followed and he actually would have had a ministry. He said, but he rejected his ministry. He rejected leadership of God and he woke up and he found himself in hell. When he died, there was no place to step. And then Brother Branham said in leadership, Elisha was following Elijah. He said, you've got to be careful what kind of leader that you put before you. God has sent us a leader in this age. God has sent us a message in this age. And depending on the voice that we follow will depend our eternal destination. We've got to choose that leader. You love the Lord. He said, I will not leave you. He said, I'm going up to the school of the prophets and you just stay back here. He said, I ain't staying anywhere. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going. I'm sticking right with you. I'm staying right behind you. Stay in line. Do you love the Lord? And so Elijah was determined to follow Elisha. He had determined in his heart, no matter how great, how hard the trials, no matter how rejected, he was following, and this is a type of Jesus Christ in his church. Amen. And so we know that God had vindicated Elijah. We know that the gospel is alive and well, and there's a resurrected message. We know that the ages are finished. We know that the next step is the rapture of the church. We know this is the calling out of the bride. There will not be another messenger. And we're following the voice that God has sent us. And so the last stage of this, Elijah had come down to the Jordan River. And he took his mantle and he smote the waters. 
The Jordan just began to move back, and Jordan represented a dying out time. Jordan represented a passing over that we're leaving time and we're going to move into eternity. And so, when they were going, so there's always something deeper when we follow the Spirit of the Lord. There's always a deeper experience, a, a deeper place in God. There's no stopping place in God. And so Elisha had felt the power of God, had felt the anointing upon him 10 years before that. And I'll be getting to that in a little bit. And when he felt that anointing, he wasn't willing to leave it. He saw the vision. He saw he must stay with the messenger. He felt the power of God. And in order to carry out the will of God, he had to have a vision when he crossed over Jordan. Brother Branham said the school of the prophets wasn't getting him anywhere. And he needed something more than that. (laughs) So Jordan, he came down to Jordan, which is the dying out time. In other words, we have to die out to get a blessing from God. How many want a blessing from God? Amen. God has blessed us, but there's more for us. But there's more dying out for us as well. Because Jordan represented the dying out time. And Elisha, he smote the waters, and the waters moved back. And Elisha was ready to go home. He was tired. He was ready for his retirement. And as they cross over, he looks, and Elisha's right behind him. And he says, what about it? He said, "Uh, ask what you want. Tell me what you want. And you know what Elisha said? Now think about this for a minute. He said, I want a double portion of what you have. This is amazing. This is no small request. I mean, even Elijah said, you're asking a hard thing. He said, I have seen how God has used you. I've seen God's hand upon you and how you stood on Mount Carmel. I saw you used in ways that God never used man. And I want a double portion of what you got. I want a greater witness than what you got. Brother Branham said, that's the way we should ask God. Don't ask for small things. Ask for big things. Ask in abundance that your joy may be full. Jesus said it. Ask what you will. He that asks will receive. Ask what you will. What kind of confidence does God have in his people when he says, ask what you will? Because he knows we'll only ask for the glory of God. We'll only ask for the church to move forward. We'll only ask, not for selfishness, but to see God glorified. Elisha was Elijah's successor. And in order to take the place of the ministry, he knew it would be more than what the school of the prophets had. He knew that it would be more than a bunch of doctrine. He knew in order to fulfill the ministry of Elijah, he had to have the same spirit as Elijah. He knew in order to fulfill God's will in his life that he would need the spirit of God to do it. Do you love the Lord? And that's just like you and I. In order to stand in this evil day, we're going to need the spirit of God. 
in order to change these mortal bodies, we need the Spirit of God to raise our children in this age, to stand against the world and everything. In order to carry out this message, we need the same power that was in Christ. See, we should never be satisfied. We should never be satisfied. You know, Brother Branham said, ask for big things. Brother Branham said, I want another million souls that I can lay at Jesus' feet. That wasn't selfish. He could have asked for a palace or a Cadillac. He said, but I, don't, I want a million souls to lay at Jesus' feet. I want to be a witness. I want, a, I want a power in witness. I want to show the world there is a Christian. Ask for big things, Lord. I want faith that will move mountains, not for me, but for you. Lord, I want the Spirit of God on the inside, not for my healing, but for the people's healing. Ask for big things, not selfish things, but big things for the glory of God. How many say, yes, Lord? This is the only opportunity we'll ever have to do something for God. This is the only opportunity we can win a soul. That we can stand up and testify our God reigns and lives. And all other gods of the nations are idols. And I imagine the fellowship was sweet and there was something in the air as they crossed Jordan and he passes right through this miracle. I mean, God just, God hasn't moved like this since Joshua crossed the Jordan. And Elisha knew he was a part of something that he had never experienced in him like this. But he was walking right with it. He was walking right with the message of the hour. And he saw the power of God move the water back. And he finds himself in the same scene. In the same drama. He is walking with God's man for the hour. And he's in the same picture with God's man. He's never felt this way before. The water moves back and he just finds himself in this drama unfolding. And Elijah walks and he follows. And they cross over and he asks him, what do you want? I can't get rid of you. I mean, I mean, I can't discourage you. I can't move you off. You're like a laser-guided missile. You're right on me. That's the way God wants us to be as Christians, like a laser-guided me, watching and praying, studying the message, waiting for the next move. Woo. He said, I want a double portion of which I imagine as soon as he said, I've got to have a double portion, he started hearing a gallop way up in the heavens somewhere. And out of the heavens came forth a wind like on the day of Pentecost. And it came down and separated him and Elijah and the chariot of fire and the power of God lifted him. As he's watching the ministry begin to leave, he sees a mantle fall to the ground. Brother Branham said he ripped his own clothes. He ripped what he had. 
He said, and he put on this mantle. I want to get to something in just a bit. He said, but when he took the mantle, he walked back down to Jordan and he screamed, where is the God of Elijah? And when he smote the water, the water did the same thing that it did with Elijah's ministry. The mantle was the type of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When Jesus rose in the resurrection and began to ascend, he threw back his mantle, which was the baptism of the Holy Ghost upon the church. And God's spirit came upon the church in a double portion. The works that I do, ye shall do also. And it came upon the church They could cry, where is the God of Jesus Christ? Where is the God of Pentecost? Where is the God of his promises? And Brother Brenham said, every one of us have a right to ask that. You have a right to ask it. Where is the God of Elijah in my life? Where is the God of this Bible in my life? In my experience? Brother Bram said, we have a right to ask. Now, Elisha does not perform one miracle until that mantle falls on him. And as soon as that mantle falls on him, he produces more miracles than Elijah ever did. Double. And the mantle is a type of the Holy Spirit. And that robe, when he picked it up, miracles started flying. Do you remember Jesus when he went down in the Jordan and the Holy Spirit come upon him? That's when the robe had come upon Jesus. And as soon as it did, miracles began to fly. Ain't that right? And so as soon as the church received the mantle on the day of Pentecost, miracles began to fly. God has a true church. And wherever that church is, miracles are flying. Because it's the same mantle as was on Jesus is on the church. The same baptism that was on Jesus is on the church. The young prophet picked up the mantle of the old prophet and miracles began to fly. Now I want to examine this really close. Because God had chose Elisha, Brother Branham said, 10 years before this happened. And Elisha was Elijah's successor. And God knew now Elisha had just had the Mount Carmel showdown. He'd went in under the juniper tree and God moved him to the cave and began to manifest himself before Elijah. And God had seen that Elijah's days were numbered. Stay with me, please. He saw that Elijah's days were numbered. And he said, now... We're going to choose your successor. And it's not us that does the choosing. It's God that does the choosing. And the spirit of the Lord was leading Elijah to Elisha. It's what Brother Branham said. The spirit of the Lord was leading Elijah after this experience in the cave. And the thunder and the lightning and the fire. 
And the Spirit of God had a predestinated moment. And he finds himself maybe down a farm path. Comes into a clearing and he sees dust a-flying. What am I doing here, Lord? You are finding your successor. And I imagine as he's watching, he sees 12 yoke of oxen and a little plow boy behind that plow. And God says, that's him. That's the one that's going to fill your shoes. He was just an ordinary plow boy that was taking care of his mommy and his daddy and maybe his grandpa. And that's the way that God does. Here God is going to find someone to fill the shoes of Elijah and he finds a plowboy, a fisherman, a, a just, just an ordinary kind of guy. That's what he did for David. We're going to have a king. We're going to have a great king. God finds a humble little shepherd boy to set as their king. God does the calling. He calls evangelists and pastors. And, and God is not looking at the outward. God is looking at the heart. How many knows that God chose you? God called you. Not because we're anything. But because God saw something on us. Brother Adam said that as Elijah is watching this plowboy and dust is flying, maybe his britchy legs rolled up and he's plowing. He said he noticed something about the boy. He said he's plowing a straight line. And a lot of them, he said, would have wiggled off this way or wiggled off this way, but not this one. He really cared about making straight lines. We have seen so many preachers come and go that wiggle off this side or wiggle off this side. God help us to know to go right down the middle of the road and plow straight lines for the master. Elijah, right as he comes led by the Spirit, he's seeing these oxen and all this dust flying. God has never been without a witness. Elijah's going into a retirement. Now, God, the message must go on. And so first thing Elijah does is walks right up to Elijah and he casts his mantle on him. But it don't fit. The mantle just don't seem to fit right. This is the same mantle that fit him 10 years later. This is the same mantle that he smote the river Jordan and said, where is the God of Elijah? But now it's not fitting quite right. Brother Branham said it took about 10 years to make the altar, to alter it. He said, you know, God did not alter the robe to fit Elijah. But God altered Elisha to fit the robe. Do you love the Lord? He said, that's the way God does it today. He's not looking for us, for, for God to fit our program. But God is altering us so we can fit in his program. God puts us in the tailor shop and we've got to stand still with patience as he tries to put the mantle on us and God has got to shave off a little here, shave off a little there because our character is not in a place that the mantle, the power of God, the authority of God can rest. You know,
know, the Bible said, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's a tall order. And we know that this mantle is perfect. And we know that we are imperfect. So we are not trying to make God fit us. We are actually asking God to tailor us so we can fit this word. Didn't he say, I send you Elijah the prophet? He will turn the hearts. He didn't turn God's mind. He turned our hearts to fit God's word. See, God alters us to fit the robe. How many say, Lord, you need to alter my mind, alter my heart, alter my spirit, alter my attitude, alter my character to fit this end time ministry? Who? Yes, sir. And Brother Branham preached a message. God called men. And he actually opened the message God called men by the story of Elijah and Elisha. And Brother Branham said, my subject is God called men. He said, now we hear this cry on the radio and in different places coming from sincere hearts. Lord, give us a revival in our time. Letters from the Christians around the world. Uh, they cry, uh, inspiring, uplifting. He said, it's quickening to my soul to hear the people calling for revival. And God made the promise, if my people, which are called by my name, shall pray, assemble themselves together and pray, then I will hear from heaven. He said, tonight, we think, remember, in the midst of the cry, God cannot send a revival until he gets a man in shape to take the revival. We cannot have a revival until God has God called men, God trained men, not trained up in schools of theology, but rugged men of faith that's brought up in the rugged training of God, men who are not afraid to face the fire. Man who has come into the presence of God that knows his power, knows his omnipotence, knows his healing power. They're trained to know the living God. And they're trained letter by, that the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. So Brother Branham notices that there is a cry for revival coming even from Billy Graham's group. See, it is the spirit of the age. There's a deep calling to the deep. How many feel a deep passion for more God? How many have a deep individual passion for more power in your life? Every one of us will feel that way. It is the pull of the hour because Elijah needed the power to meet the ministry, to fulfill the ministry. We need that power to fulfill the ministry of the hour which is the rapture of the church. Amen. Amen. That's right. And so, how, when they're crying for revival in the denominational ranks, how could God ever use that kind of material to bring forth uh, a revival? Here's a group of people that cut to pieces the word of God that pick what they want and take what they want. They have merged the world and the church who deny his word, resent his word, disbelieve his word. And how could God put this word in a coward? The 
David won't stand in the face of adversity and say, God is right and every man's a liar. How could God place and entrust his power with the people that will deny the letter of his word? I feel like I could preach tonight. But God could not entrust that kind of power with a people that would deny uh, 1 Corinthians 11, deny uh, Deuteronomy 22, 5, deny the power of God, deny the scripture, deny Malachi 4. Brother Branham said they could not even fulfill the great commission because they deny the very word. How could God bring forth a revival that denies the scripture? But God said he will hear their prayer. God will send that revival. He said, notice. He said, God is looking for a man or a woman that will trust him and take him at his word. God must train his church before he sends the revival that they're asking for. Did you know Jesus, Brother Branham said this, it's remarkable. When Jesus was on earth, he was training his disciples to take the gospel around the known world. He was training them. That's why I told them, don't take a script or don't take your staff. Anywhere you go, pray the peace of God there. And Did you lack anything? No, Lord. He said, I'm showing how to trust me, how to depend upon me. And Jesus said, I sanctify myself for their sakes. In other words, he was saying, I want to be their example. They're going to take this ministry on. God always has the continuation. Can I preach? Remember when God had had a call in Abraham's life, Isaac actually was the continuation of the promise to Abraham. When Isaac died, Jacob was the continuation of the promise. When God rose up David, Solomon was the continuation. When God rose up Moses, Joshua was the continuation. When God rose up Elijah, Elisha was the continuation. When God rose up Jesus, the church was the continuation. And we are the continuation of the book of Acts. God always has a continuation of the ministry. The ministry never goes dormant. The ministry never stops in its tracks. Faith will go on. Power will go on. The gospel will go on. God has a continuation of the ministry. Not of Brother Branham. Of Jesus Christ. This message is the continuation of the book of Acts and it has not stopped. Hallelujah! God had a specific work for Isaac. God had a specific work for Jacob. God had a specific work for those men. But it was all the continuation. Do you know that this Bible... From chapter 12 of Genesis all the way to Revelation is based on God's promise to one man. God made a promise to Abraham. He said, whosoever curses you be cursed. Whosoever blesses you blessed. And in thee all nations will be blessed. And we know that came to the cross and how the Gentiles were grafted in. But the whole Bible surrounds God's promise to one man. 
So the ministries is always the ministry of Jesus Christ. Can I go a little further? So Jesus was training his disciples to take the ministry and bring it into the world. But they had to be trained before he would put power on them. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be dued with power. You know that Peter was a gift of God. And Brother Branham said he had a specific work for him to do. He said that in that day, God always provided healing. And God had a gift of healing in Peter's life. But Peter could not go to the people with an attitude, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And all of his temper flare-ups, he had to go to Pentecost to have a change. God had some training before he could put power on him. But when he put power on him, his shadow healed those that were laying in the alleyways on the cobblestone streets. Only his shadow, people would rise in the name of Christ. More work shall you do. Greater work shall you do. Because I go unto the Father. And they perceived he had been with Jesus. Jesus had talked to them and taught them in such a way that they knew the sound of his voice. Paul said of a, of a trumpet given uncertain sound, who can prepare himself for battle? He gave a sound, Titus will come in and bring these walls of Jerusalem down. But when you see those armies, you get out and pray. Not one Christian was caught. Why? They were trained to watch the sign. Trained to hear the voice. And God wants a scriptural trained church. God, did you know that we have a specific work? Do you know that we have a specific work in this age? Even though Brother Branham has gone off the scene, we have a specific work? I'll read it to you. Brother Branham talked to the Spirit of God came on him and said, pick up your pen and write. He said, those in the bride will only do his will. No one can make them do otherwise. They have thus saith the Lord or they keep still. They know it has to be God in them doing the works, fulfilling his own word. He did not complete all of his work while he was in his earthly ministry. So he works in and through the bride. She knows that, for it was not yet time for him to do certain things that he must now do. But he will now fulfill through the bride the work which he left for the specific time. Amen. So Brother Branham preaches God called men. And he said the people are praying for revival And he said, God is going to send that revival. But first he has to have a people ready to receive it when it comes. He said, and before we can have this revival, God has to call out and train men, God trained men to carry this message. And they don't have to care what the opposition is. They are willing to go to the fiery furnace and defeat or to the lion's den, wherever it is. They'll be ready to go because they've been in the presence of God and they know that he is. Whether it's to the victory or defeat, they're still standing the same. That's the kind of training that God does to a man. It's very strange to think that God trains his men that way, but he does. 
God leads us through, he said he leads his people through great trials to purge them. Sometimes it takes years to do it. As for myself, I believe right now God is training such men to meet the front line. Men who are going to be shook from their feet. Sometimes it'll look like the whole thing is falling, but in the midst of it all, they know the living God and they keep their face forward, moving forward always. Many people praying for revival. I wonder sometimes, he said, if our prayers don't just stop the wells of blessing, he said, they're afraid to trust God. They're afraid to take him at his word. They're afraid to believe he's the same today when the Bible says he's the same today. He said, men that ever amounted to anything in God were not men with great educations, but men with none. They only desire in their heart to serve God. Plowmen, shepherds, fishermen, hunters, those who lived in nature had the stillness and quietness in nature that God could speak to them. Those are the kind that he calls. He said he was, notice, the way God takes his man, he beats out their fears. He beats out their intellectuals. The great potter puts them on his wheel and molds them and make them workmen worthy. It's God's man. Who could train a man more than God himself? And watch the way that he trains them. How many want to see that revival in their own life? You know that there's deeper places. You know that there's higher places. Let me tell you, we are in the midst of a revival. We are marching to the rapture. There's no greater age than this. But we need more of God. We need more. God put us on your potter wheel. Make us men and women of faith. Beat out all the unbelief. Make me loyal. Make me faithful. Make me honest. Make my motives pure, Lord. How many say, Lord, yes. He said, courage. God don't want cowards out of God called men. He can't use you if you're afraid to take him at his word. He wants you to believe him. He wants gallant men that pay no attention but to what God says. That's the kind that he moves with. And he said, God will send these days for the revival that his people are praying for. He said, let God train you for his own service. We're living in a day before this revival that God is searching and trying to find hearts. Fearless men of character that'll take God at his word. He said, God will send the revival that they're praying for. Men and women that'll call wrong, wrong, right, right, and stand by the word even in the face of opposition or even death. How many say, yes, Lord, let that be me. Brother Bradham said the highest compliment we can pay God or the highest honor that we can pay God is to believe his word. How many want to bring honor to God? 
And Brother Branham said, God trains his men, anoints them, gives them an experience, takes them through rugged training, down to the sands of burning punishment, trying and testing. Not only does he do it to his prophets, he does it to his children. Every son that comes to God must be tested, tested by the word. And when the pinch comes, the strong time, when it faces death, you're able to stand upon the word of God and say, it settles it. One man, pliable in the hands of God. God looking for one man that can fully surrender. And God can only give, or God can only take what you surrender to him. God can only achieve his word by when man surrenders and lets the spirit of God operate through him. Brother Branham said that. He said, God wants your heart. He said, he'll take what you give. God will receive what you give, but he wants all of you. He wants every bit of you. He wants all, everything you are, your life, your testimony. He wants every minute that you live. He wants you to live right, talk right, act right, do right. He wants everything perfectly surrendered so he can lead you and guide you into places that he wants you to go and lead you by his spirit. How many want to be led by the Spirit of God? That means in order to be led by the Spirit of God, we must yield to the Spirit of God. Because God can only, God can only achieve as we surrender. Brother Branham took the, word, the message countdown. It's astounding. Can I go just a little longer? He takes the message countdown and he shows how Luther... When Luther was able to yield to God, I want you to look at what one man done. There was a commentary that I read. When Luther had translated the Bible into the German tongue, they said he'd done the work of a thousand men. He was anointed to bring that church out of dark ages, out of superstition, masses, and Catholicism, out of spiritual darkness. One man that yielded himself into the hands of God drew out an entire church and exodus. And they said almost overnight, his message was carried by the wings of angels all through the land. And a movement went from one man to the church, and the church came out of darkness. How did they come out of the grip of the papal church that held the people for 1,500 years? But Joshua lived by faith, made the devil turn his hand loose, and the people went running free. Hallelujah. He'll do the same for you tonight. If you'll believe that Joshua lived by faith, he'll pick you up. Get your family saved and your friends saved. What God can do with one man that yields himself. Brother Branham in the countdown message called it an achievement. He said this is what God achieved through Luther who was willing to yield himself. And then he said the next achievement was Wesley. And he said and the church kept advancing in power. And he said the next achievement He said, was Azusa Street when the church got off the ground. You say, Brother Craig, I'm not a prophet to the age. I'm I'm not a messenger. Neither was Seymour. Neither was the Azusa Church. 
They were not messengers to the age. Do you know what made Luther become what he was? Was pre-reformers that was blazing the trail before he got there? Where would Luther be without the Gutenberg Bible? Where would Luther be without Wycliffe and Haas, who was actually the morning star of the Reformation, who began to beat away and to begin to pave a road of, of but God had set the stage. There is no big eyes and little U's. God uses every one of us. John Haas and Gutenberg and Wycliffe and Tyndale. God needs men. God called men. God trained men that sees a vision and wants to pack the church into freedom. God. Brother Branham, this is amazing. Brother Branham said God was looking to get a man in his hands. And he got him a Luther. Luther could yield. And he got him a Wesley. And Wesley could yield. Then he said, this is amazing. He got a group in his hands. He said he got a group of people. A little cross-eyed man. There in Azusa Street. And you know, Seymour was not a messenger. He was someone so hungry. To see a move of God, he prayed for five hours a day. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on him and he said, Lord, what more can I do for you? He said, pray more. He said, I already pray five hours a day. He prayed seven hours a day. He was so hungry to see a move of God. He was willing to yield himself to prayer. And he was praying for the Holy Ghost and fire and tongues and love and the power that the apostles once had. And when the Asbury's saw his dedication to prayer, they opened their home. And this was the ingredients for the revival. God needed a house. God needed a prayer warrior. God needed someone that would believe him. And there went forth the Azusa revival that was a pre-reformer to the ministry of Elijah. Because what kind of platform would a brother Branham had if there wasn't a Pentecostal church? And I want you to think, it, this message is not uh, an Elijah-only ministry. But the bride under her messenger is the final voice to the final church. These people were not messengers to the ages, but they were used of God. Brother Brandon was talking about the countdown, how God achieved as people yield. And Brother Branham said, God give us, as we move into the astronaut age, God give us men and women, daring men and women. God wants pioneers of his word. Astronauts that will take things that we've got and not be satisfied that we're going on God-making achievement. That's what Brother Branham said. Astronaut age, he's talking to us. God wants pioneers. Men of vision that are blazing the trail for those behind. We haven't got to a body change yet. We're not in retirement yet. But God needs daring men and women that know how to take God at his word. And see this church rise to an area that the world has never seen before. Brother Branham said, now... We have a sacred trust. You know what a trust is. We have an inheritance. An inheritance 
of God's believing children. That sacred trust is the heritage of his word that's been given to us. And we're to live by this word. He said, oh, think of the deepness of it. It's a sacred trust that God has put to his church. God gave his word to his church. And this sacred heritage is ours. And we are duty bound as Christians to live it and to believe it, to take it and believe it. And he said, just as it's written, if we ever expect this word to come to pass, if we ever expect God to keep his word, we've got to stay with it just the way God wrote it. That's the reason you stay with it. God wrote it. There will be all kinds of things happening among you. Every word will be fulfilled. I'm under expectation, Brother Branham said, just now to see a shaking power that will shake the nations. God, if he can ever get the people under his control, if he can get a man or a woman that will not compromise the word. In every age, God had someone that would trust him. How many say, Lord, I want to trust you. Help me to trust. God is searching. God is calling through thousands, looking for one man, one woman, that will take him at his word. I want you to think, in the days of Noah, out of all the millions, he found one man that would yield himself. In the days of Abraham, he found one man that would yield himself. In all the virgins of the land, God found a 17-year-old peasant girl and God needed a virgin womb to bring his word to pass. And when he came to her, she didn't doubt, she didn't hesitate. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. And she let God, her womb, to bring forth redemption for you and I. We are the church of the living God. We ought to give our womb to God that we might produce the full manifestation of God in flesh. God is searching for men and women. God is searching for character. Men, Brother Branham said, the Holy Spirit is searching men that he can anoint them with something special, with powers and gifts to work his will. And, and Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, Brother Brennan majored upon the thought that Paul was a prisoner to the will of God. He said, God is looking for prisoners that will follow the will of God. This is after the seals. God is looking for men and women right now that will come under the great commission and go find that last soul. God is looking for men and women that will believe God and bring this rapture. Past Gilgal, past the school of the prophets, down through Jordan, Brother Branham said, to the open vision. And Brother Branham said, when Elijah received that double portion, he was ready for the revival that he hungered for. Whoo! Did you hear what I just said? Elijah was hungry for a revival and he said when he received the double portion that's when he received what he was hungering for. There's where the revival is. So Elijah threw the mantle on Elisha but it didn't fit. So it was 10 years of washing the hands of Elisha. 
10 years of character building. And all of a sudden, he finds himself in this scene. I ain't letting you go. You ain't getting out of my sight. I'm staying right with the message. You can't run me off. It's too late. I already felt the anointing. I've already felt the power of God. It's already vindicated. You ain't leaving my sight. Wherever you go, I'm going to be right on your tail. Stay in Gilgal. Get, get away. Give me a little room. I ain't giving you no room. I'm going to be all over you. Hallelujah. God loves that. He loves that kind of passion. God loves that kind of determination. I'm not going to miss a youth meeting. I'm going to be there every Wednesday, every Sunday. I'm going to be praying. And Elijah, I'm trying to get to my retirement. You ain't going nowhere. Dear God, he smites the water. It moves back. He's Paul and Elisha. He leaves a trail through the Jordan. All right, what do you want? I want a double portion of what you got. I want the same love I see on you. I want the same power I see on you. I want the same dedication. I want the same zeal. I want the same glory I see in your eyes. I want them in my eyes. That same perfect faith I saw operate in you. I want it in me. You ask a hard thing. But if you can see me when I'm gone, you won't see my physical body no more. But if you can see me with eyes of faith, if you can see my resurrection, if you can see I'm not dead but alive, if you can see me when I'm gone, you can have your double portion. All of a sudden, the sky split. And like the day of Pentecost, a roar of wind swept Elijah away in a chariot of fire. The end of an era. It's all over. Now, Elijah has a choice to make. Will he go begin to write the history of the life of Elijah and begin to record the great life? Here lies Elijah. He was loved. His name meant my God is Jehovah. Oh, what a man he was. No. Elisha was watching and while the school of the prophets maybe went to write the first book and get it on the presses and make their dollar, Elisha was a man of vision. This ministry must carry on. There is more work to do. We ain't in retirement. Brother Branham is, but we've got work to do. We've got to find the last seed. We've got to preach until we find that last soul. We've got to establish churches. We've got to raise the banner in Satan's Eden. And I can't do it with a bunch of doctrine. I need that mantle that was on him. I need that robe that was on him. I failed it 10 years ago. But now, can you imagine how he felt as he puts this mantle over his shoulders 
and it fits like a glove. Every corner like a glove. It perfectly fits his body. You can imagine how he felt when the power of God enshrouded his body and he could feel the pulsation of faith moving through his body from head to toe. Woo! He marches right down, right down to Jordan. And he's not walking defeated. He's walking like a conqueror. He's walking with a victory march. He is looking at Jordan saying, I feel sorry for you. You're moving back. And that's what Jesus did when he raised and poured his spirit out. When we are wrapped in the righteousness of God, we can walk to school in a victory march. We can walk to church with a victory march. Feeling the life of God pulsate through our bodies. How many say, Lord, wrap me in your love. Wrap me in your mantle. Wrap me in your presence. I believe God is wrapping the church of the living God. 50 years, he's been molding us to fit this mantle. A ministry of power. A ministry that takes character. Because God can't entrust this kind of ministry to anyone. You know, it might have even felt, oh, it fits like a glove. But the power was not in the mantle. Elijah was gone, and the power was not in Elijah. But he caught. I imagine the Holy Spirit struck him. You probably saw when he covered, you probably seen him go like this and just screamed, where is the God of Elijah? It wasn't the mantle, it wasn't Elijah, but he caught the revelation, where is the God of Elijah? Greater works shall you do. How many would scream in their life? Lord, where is the God who wrote the promise? Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Where is the God of Elijah in my home, in my marriage, in my walk? You might be living in sin or hiding your sins. You can right now do the same thing Elijah did. And you can cry out. You have a right to cry out. Where is the God of this message in my life? Where is the God of Elijah in his church? He's going to have someone. There's all kinds of churches around the framework of this message that do all kinds of things. We're not looking around at that. We're looking at the God of Elijah. We know that a church will rise in the power, in the faith, in the life, the fullness of God in his people. The Ananias and Sapphira will return. Full love, full faith, full unity that'll bring the dead back to life again. And I believe the God of Elijah is here among us. Say, God, mold me. Train me up, Lord. Take my, don't let me miss this move of God, this achievement of God. Let me fit right into my God-given position in the word for this hour. Let me do my part. If I'm just an amen corner, let me amen till Jesus come. 
If I'm a song leader, if I'm a deacon, if I'm whatever I am, let me be faithful and Lord mold me into the power of God. Mold me into the ministry of the hour. We need brave pioneers. Men and women, young people that knows God uses young people. Women that know God uses women. We have an end time ministry. Don't let this opportunity pass. We're not writing the memorial of Elijah. We are actually now stepping into the continuation of the ministry that will bring the dead from the grave. And we have no other thing to say but what is already preached. And that's thus saith the Lord. If someone can't find something to preach, you've missed it. There's so much to preach in this message. And the world's got to hear it. How many say, send me, Lord? Let us stand to our feet. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to wrap all around your being. Wrap right around your heart and begin to squeeze your heart. And I want you to hear God say, I love you, child. I have a place for you in my economy. Would you yield to me? I need someone. I need a young person that will yield themselves. I need a a widow woman that will yield herself to prayer. I need someone that will go to the foreign fields. I need someone that believes in a living God, the God of Elijah. Because the ministry must go forward. When Jesus died, the disciples did not make Jesus' life a memorial. But they began to praise the risen conqueror. And he's going before us tonight. How many say, Lord, where you lead me, I'll follow Would you play that where you lead me? I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. together.
everyone where he leads me. felt your mantle wrap around us and felt the anointing. We have felt your spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost and it warmed our hearts tonight as we see the vision coming down to Jordan, the passing over, the dying out, the finishing up of the ministry. And Lord, we feel so unworthy and feel so little. But Lord, you're not looking for great men. You're looking for plowboys. You're looking for shepherd boys, hunters, fishermen, tax collectors, even prostitutes. Someone that will be willing to yield themselves for your glory. And Lord, we're coming to you tonight together, united as the church of the living God, our hearts hungry to see a move of God in our individual lives and amongst, Lord, the universal church. And we're not asking, Lord, for little things. God, we want to see that double portion, the fullness of God manifested in your people. We want to see God made flesh, united God in his people. Lord, we're asking it. Lord, we're asking, Father, to see your church marching in victory. We want to see Paul raised from the grave. We want to see Martin Luther raised from the grave. We want to see the change of our bodies. Lord, we want to see that meeting in the air. Send a revival in our hearts, Lord. Give us vision. Wrap us, Lord, in that mantle in your robes of righteousness. Wrap us, O oh God, in the Holy Spirit. Let us be hid in Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, that you'll send a revival starting with each, revi each individual. A revival of the word. Bring back a passion, Lord, for the message. May there be a revival start in our kitchen. Start in our bedrooms. Lord, may it just move through us, Lord. Thank you for calling us. We yield ourselves to you. We love you and we thank you. We commit our hearts to you. We ask your blessings upon your people now. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Can I get someone to help me sing? All